Hello everybody, welcome back to Battlefield. It's been a while. Um, there has been a few things that, you know, have been just kind of weighing me down to do this um, next chapter or even continue, um, you know, trying to do my podcast every day. Um, you think I would take advantage of it uh, because my son started preschool, but of course... I feel exhausted considering I'm in my third trimester and actually I will be 38 weeks starting this Saturday and so I am nearing the finish line as well as I had to do a lot of things for my son's preschool obviously the physical the dentist and the vision appointment um and we kind of dropped off from from wearing underwear for potty training so I kind of started that up again and he was not very happy with me um, and you would think with the quiet days, he's gone to all day preschool. I'd take advantage to be on here, but my body is at its end. And <laughs> frankly, I don't like the fact that we chose a date that technically lands on my 40th week of being, you know, pregnant. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, then what's the freaking point? Why am, then why am I even scheduling an inducement if it's technically on my 40th week? But um, considering, um, my second son who I'm going to be having is already bigger than what his brother was. Um, we're trying to play it safe by doing an inducement, but like I said, I'm hoping that even goes well. You know, I hope we're not waiting too long. Um, and also <laughs> the final days I've been very, um, you know, irritated, frustrated, or should I say irritable with certain things because my body's so heavy. So again, whatever, I just want to apologize. Um, the next chapter is pretty much about children. Like I've told, um, chapter 16 (laughs) is called kids are the icing, not the cake. All right. Um, honestly, I'm not really going to get into a lot of what that means, but I'm going to tell you right now before I even start even reading the notes I took and, of course, any, like, particular sentences that I marked down. I'm going to tell you right now, it can be really difficult, even with a volunteer firefighter with kids. I'm not going to, I'm not going, I'm not going to sugarcoat any of this. Guys, or, you know, moms, you know it's hard enough or, I, or dads who stay home. You know it's hard enough being a stay-at-home parent. It is hard enough. And then you got someone who's on, you know, the fire department, who's on duty. Whether it be the full-time, part-time, or volunteer. I mean, it makes it life even a little bit harder. And I do want to tell you from my experience as well as... Well, what Anne and Mike have written in this book. Because, oh, I'm sorry. He's going to be driving around and watching Mickey Mouse. So just so you're prepared. Um, It's hard. Like, it almost feels like it gets harder. And I'm going to tell you. And I think I told you guys this already because... In my earlier segments, I talked about how my husband, being only volunteer right now, was gone every Tuesday and Thursday to take Fire One class. And to tell you the truth, it was a lot for me to deal with. Because 
Not only that was two evenings he was gone in a row, but, or in a week, but my toddler was getting to the point in his life that he was just kind of starting this attitude. And it just seemed like my toddler knew every time my husband left for his evening schooling, he kind of put me through, well, let's just say it, hell. Okay, he put me through hell. And he had these temper tantrums. He would throw these fits. And it always seemed to be when my husband was gone. Okay? And I don't understand that. And of course, (laughs) I don't think we'll ever understand that. It's just weird how he knows. Okay? Because my husband can still be gone every Tuesday, which is the fire department's training slash meeting days. And somehow he still knows. And he still wants to push my buttons. And being in preschool has really changed his attitude slash schedule a lot. You know, yeah, he's there all day. And I'm and I'm very grateful to have the break. I mean, I love my kid, don't get me wrong, but I'm very grateful, more than grateful to have this break. Because I'm going to be having a second one soon. And I feel like I'm actually now on a time clock because it's not going to be long from now. So... With that said, I told my husband, I said, if you have anything else that needs to be done for the fire department, you either ask to get it done early or you're going to have to wait it out until, you know, (laughs) until we establish, you know, when it comes to my sanity. (laughs) So, yeah, um... So it's hard. So Anne, I I did skip the first paragraph in the beginning, but Anne writes, um, the four of us were once magical together, inseparable, close. We did it all. Family trips, family holidays, family games, and even nightly sit-down dinners. No, No foursome could have been closer. Michael was always our joy and rick was always our comfort and these are her two boys she's talking about for these handles best describe these personalities and the qualities they added to our home the pain they're leaving and causing our nest to be empty would have been absolutely unbearable if not for one saving grace mike and i still have a very happy satisfying relationship because we always put each other before our children and okay so a lot of people do not like that phrase because they feel that their children should always come first before them, which I do agree to some extent. But here's the deal. Haven't you heard me say enough? You can't take care of others if you, you know, self-care has to come first before you can take care of other people. Because again, if you don't take care of yourself, how, how are you expected to take care of people in your family? Right? I mean... Think about it. Then you feel like twice as bad. Like complete shit. If you're completely exhausted. You haven't taken a shower in a few days. Yeah. That's technically take. Yeah. So take care of yourself. Take care of others. She says, we never let our marriage suffer because of parenting. As wonderful as they are, our kids have been the icing to our lives, not the cake. And this was a conscious choice. As is easier said than done. 
Okay, so is there is there anything more precious, you know, more helpless and more all-consuming than a newborn baby? Well, there isn't. Okay? I mean, I always wanted to be a mom, and I'm glad I waited as long as I did because I had a feeling of the expectations and the reality and the work it came with it because I've watched my mom go through it with all four with me and my three other siblings so four of us and I saw how exhausted she was a lot and I've always kind of kept it in my mind in the back of my mind and I kind of sometimes felt bad for her that you know she worked so tirelessly to keep us from well dying <laughs> so um you, you know, I, and, and of course, putting it into action with my own, plus now being at the end of my pregnancy, there are days I have to cry because it makes me feel better. Or when my son goes to bed, I have to go and sit and cry because it was either a very tired day, tiring day, or he gave me so much to work with. It overwhelmed me, and being that I still have to try to make sure my house is at least picked up and clean with a big belly in front of me, or even sometimes just cleaning, sometimes just cleaning really, really takes it out of me with, you know, and I just have to cry because I realized that I didn't get any help from it. And, you know, then my husband comes home. After five o'clock from work, and of course he feels terrible, but I'm not crying to make him feel terrible. I'm crying because it makes me feel better, and I think he always will think, you know, or not think. He'll probably always feel bad because I cried. Yes, and that's okay for him to feel bad, but I'm not trying to. But it is hard. It's very hard. Okay. So. I. Let's see what I want to read here. Well, let's first read, you know, this little segment. It's called To Each Their Own Bed. So the battle for your marriage begins in the bedroom. So this is where the new parent should decide to do this. Keep the bedroom off limits from the babies and later from the kids. So what Mike and Ann decided, this is what they decided to do. You can do this, but you don't have to. They decided that once their babies were past the newborn stage, about six weeks or so, they were not to occupy the bed or the bedroom. And of course, most of us parents keep our babies in the bassinet till they outgrow the bassinet. And then we decide to take them to the, um, little play thing that can sometimes come to it with an attached changing table, but put them in there and then still have them in our room. Some, some of us still do that. They must have their own bed in their own room. She goes on to say, we believe that the marriage bed is inviolate and should not be breached even by the children. And my firefighter is such a light sleeper that the babies kept him awake. 
With a baby monitor, you can sleep alone as you can hear them cry without having to have that little body laying right next to you. It will become a habit if you let it, and the longer it goes on, the harder it will become to break. Putting babies to sleep in their own crib is better for you and safer for them because they can roll off the bed or even be suffocated in all the bedding. This may seem a little bit overdramatic, but because we are a long-time firefighter couple, we know of instances where these types of tragedies have occurred. Okay? <laughs> Obviously, we all, we've heard it all. And now, sex. Once again, <laughs> sex is central to a solid marriage, like we talked about before. So you are not doing your children any favors by letting them literally get between you. Easier said than done, I know, as kids have a way of tugging at the old heartstrings and wanting to come sleep with you. But you must be firm and not allow it on any regular basis. The occasional closet monster, scare, or illness are a few obvious exceptions to the rule. Babies and children can and will sleep just fine without you. And like we have heard time and time again, and of course what we have been told even by our own parents and our own grandparents, it's the hardest thing you can ever do. Because, I mean, one of the hardest things is, you know, one, you want to co-sleep because you want to feel close to them and you feel like a bad parent if you don't. But also, you know, you want to put them in their own room because you want that closeness with your spouse. So yeah, bedtime matters. Rule number two on sleeping was... This, she says, bedtime should be strictly observed for the children at every age. Our kids went to bed promptly at 8 p.m. all the way up to high school when it was adjusted to 10 p.m. Of course, we all know teenagers, because we were once teenagers ourselves, will push boundaries to stay up or out later. But no later than 12 o'clock is what they will say to you. Until they, they do not answer their phones when you actually do, for some reason, stay up. And you watch the clock. And you're like, where the fuck are they? And then you're wondering where the hell they are. And you're calling their phone constantly. And they're probably drunk when you told them not to get drunk. And they're probably doing it anyway. I know I did. Sorry, I had to swallow some water if you heard that. So... Should you keep a prompt bedtime? Oh, yes. Should you stay firm? Oh, fuck yes, you should. Um, when they're teenagers... See, I don't know that yet. But I'll tell you from my experience being a teenager, or at least watching my sister... Oh, <laughs> um, maybe my mom probably should have at least put a camera on her side of the room because... Okay, I take that back. She should have put a camera on all freaking dimensions and corners of our room because we snuck out a lot, okay? Um, and we probably should have been in bed. So that's probably one thing that every parent always is struggling with, especially when they're teenagers. And let me tell you something. It was not easy, obviously, when... He, when, when my son had to be first put in his room in his own crib for the first time, well, because not only because, you know, it gave me anxiety because I could see him when I first woke up in the morning or when I first laid my head down, but it's because he woke up at the weirdest times in the middle of the night and I had to give him a bottle and rock him until he fell back asleep or he wanted to play. He also, he just all of a sudden wanted to play at two o'clock in the morning. 
So one of us had to stay up with him and be t totally freaking grogged out of our mind the next day. I mean, ugh. It's, this is one of the times of being a parent. I'm really hopeful that this baby will just sleep, you know, and not really care to wake up just to play. You know, it'd just be like, okay, yeah, I need my fucking sleep. And then just wake up maybe at a decent time in the morning. But I guess parents can only hope, right? But it never happens. Okay, so the crammed calendar, which with school now, this is something I'm going to be learning and I mean learning to my own discoveries, being he is a preschooler. Now he has teachers, other kids he socializes with. He's going to make friends, meaning new friends for me. I know that I know I don't sound excited, but I'm kind of excited because, hey, I can make friends with these new moms. Of course, with my personality, people think I'm just weird, so... Anyway, the crammed calendar. Anne says keeping your marriage first is basically all about time management. It begins first with bedtime, then as the children start to get a life. <laughs> I love how she says that, to get a life. Uh, managing their activity level. It is very easy to overschedule the kids. This is a much bigger problem for parents today than it was for their folks. Many years ago, when we were kids growing up in the 60s and 70s, we entertained ourselves. We roamed the neighborhood till dinner. We ran and played safely and without adult supervision. We made friends with the kids next door and we went to their houses after school. We walked and ro or rode our bikes everywhere we went and sometimes we went pretty far. You guys, we did this too in the 90s. Okay, we did this. My mom being a stay-at-home parent while the other parent went trucking and sometimes for at least two weeks or so on end... We had to learn to be independent and entertain ourselves. Now, it helped because we were all siblings. We were able to entertain each other. We were able to pick on each other. We were able to, you know, take each other to the pool, blah, 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 to the park, and play for hours on end. And we lived in a small town back then. We didn't have to worry about creeps and perverted weirdos. We could go, and my, and my mom knew where we were, or, you know, the towns, everyone knew everyone. Like, everybody knew, everybody knows everybody, that song, you know, that country song, you know, knew everybody, and if something went wrong, you heard about it, and not within 24 hours. That's how fast it went around that town. So, it's, that's why it was so easy back then. Now, these days, you can't do that. You can't even, like, let your kid go out without having that new little, what's it called, apple chip tracker thing that you can put on their bags now. Yeah, because that's how dangerous our world has become. Bye. And it sucks. Bye, so, yeah, bye. you know, you? Oh, like she says here, pedophiles are all over the news. We even get alerts in the mail as they move into our neighborhoods, which I don't get those. As a result, we must transport our children everywhere ourselves, which now becomes more of a stress on us. We have to check out each playmate to get to know their parents, see if they can be trusted, because you never freaking know. When the, We then make play dates. Quotes, air quotes. We create safe and structured activities and have to be directly involved 
if our children to have any kind of life outside the house. Like sports, music, art, church, friends, these things can dominate the parents' free time. Which has added to the already heavy burden of entertaining our children developing their talents. The problem of overcrowded schools. Um, and taking on the lots of homework for them. But the thing is, we want our kids to become educated. So we do what we need to do. But sometimes it can be all-consuming. You know, and daunting. And leave no time for husbands and wives to be a couple. Now, I know what some are thinking when you listen to this. Oh, well, you guys decided to start a family. It, this is This was your decision. And I hate those people. It's like, yeah. And... You know, we still got to take care of ourselves to take care of our family. I don't get why some people are, you know, arrogant like that. Even though they have a family of their own too. But they can still be like, well, you're the one who decided this. Oh, yeah? Okay. So what do you do? <laughs> Another drink of water. Mama. So, Anne has a little section here called the cake recipe. As you can remember from the title, you know, the kids are just the icing, but not the cake. So the cake recipe, which this, remember, this is just free advice. You don't have to take it, or you could take a good lump sum, not all of it, and you could put it into your your daily life, especially as a couple, but a firefighter couple, whatever. Or a regular couple, I don't care. So, how do you do it all? Be a good parent, but still have the time and energy to be a good lover? Question mark. How do we find the strength and the balance? She said, she says, I must again hearken back to the title of this chapter. Oh, which I kind of already did. You, you are a spouse first at a mommy or daddy second. Parenting is, but just for a short time while marriage is meant to be for a lifetime. She says her dear sister-in-law, Melissa, once shared with her a wonderful nugget of wisdom on the topic when she said nobody wants to be married to somebody's mom oh let me read that again no one wants to be married to someone's mom who does who who does that that would be that would be a punishment not a life you should not be consumed by your children is pretty much what that defines. Your, your entirety or delegating your role as a spouse to a lesser position. Children should be viewed as an extension of your love, not the reason for it. Kids will not be around forever, nor do they want to be. Their rule, or not their rule, not their rule. Kids will not be. Oh, wait. Hold on. Will not be around forever. The role in life is to not to fulfill you or make you complete. That's your soulmate's job. So keep this view in mind. Okay? Um, sometimes the sweetness of your children. Or, you know, taking just up all your time. Can, you know, turn your cake into mush. So, in seeking to say, to say yes to everything your kids want to do, you can become so busy with them that you neglect your marriage. A neglected marriage may end in divorce. And be forewarned, that will be truly devastating to your kids. Which brings us to how divorce impacts the children. 
I'm going to tell you right now. I can read you that if I wanted to. But I'm going to tell you how it affected me and my siblings. And of course, every child's different. But I'm going to use my mom's divorce as an example. It was a sad day. Um, it was, you know, I was 12. I actually just turned 12 when everything started to happen and crumble down before us. And I didn't know what was going on half the time because my mom didn't tell us the exact honest truth as to why it happened how it became to happen because we were too we were too young to know and she was she's right she was right she i mean we were too young to know we didn't have to know everything at a young age and of course who wants to because when you're a little kid you don't necessarily understand a lot of things you just you know all you know is that it's sad and heartbreaking and you then you become confused and upset and angry and more sad and yada yada. So, I think I talked about this before. My mom and my dad met a couple. And, uh, See, it's kind of hard for me to talk about this because it's still, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's sad. It's a sad story. They met a couple. And from what I was told and understand from when I finally got told, which was when I was, it was a little late in high school, um, they were swingers. Mom and dad swung with them. For some reason, Dad thought their marriage needed to be spiced up. My mom didn't want that. She actually tried to stop it and tried to reason. It got to the point where my mom realized that my dad was watching a lot of porn. For what reason? She just kind of, you know started realizing what was happening but they met a couple and they swung with them the next thing we know mom and dad are drifting apart and also not only drifting apart but they were drifting to the other partner of the couple like dad was drifting off to the woman my mom was drifting off to the man That were also married. But see, now this couple had a mutual agreement already. Or they already came to an understanding. Which is very rare in a relationship or marriage. They already mutually agreed to split up. But they were like friends. They hung out like friends. But that was way before my mom and my dad started the divorce process. And we were sad. We cried about it. I remember one time I think we begged them not to get divorced. 
All we were, all we kept being told was there was nothing they could do. Especially mom. She goes, there's nothing I can do. It's out of my hands. How are you supposed to understand as a child, especially when you're 12 and you just started your period for damp, for fuck's sake, and you're trying to understand your own hormones, and now you got this emotional baggage that you felt like your parents had even put on your on their kids. Like, how are you, you're trying to understand that. I know my siblings are very broken hearted. My sister cried a lot, and I cried, but because we all got to see it, we we got to see it unfold right before our eyes, and it was almost like tragic. It was like almost like this, like something just ripped out our hearts because we we saw our parents so in love at one point and we were so happy and then all of a sudden everything just kind of came crumbling down in an instance. Oh, of course kids are going to feel like it's their fault. A lot of kids always feel like it's their fault. Especially when they're like, is it because I was born you and mom split up? Is it because... We were do we did something wrong. Did, did, is because we were existing. And but thing is, I don't think none any of us said that. But we felt so bad. We almost start. We almost thought that we were the problem. But that was never the case. But when your marriage starts to fail because you're not taking care of it or certain needs aren't being taken care of, then it's going to crumble down. And you never want to blame your kids. But you also want to take a break from them. So yeah, don't say yes to everything they want to do. I'm sorry. That's going to be... And that's probably going to be the hardest part for me because we want to make our kids happy. But when I see... When I'm an outsider looking in to other kids who kick, scream, throw temper tantrums and say, if you don't get me this, blah, blah. Or you see these stupid videos on Facebook that sometimes get posted about a teenager or a preteen throwing a temper tantrum because they didn't get the iPhone, whatever number we're on now. You know that, then yeah. I mean, a parent gave too much of their time for their child. And most of those parents are single because they didn't put time to their marriage. And, you know, parenting like they should have been doing. So. Anne says, a friend of mine once told me that if she had known what the effects of her divorce were going to have on her children, she never would have gotten one. She said she'd have moved heaven and earth to make her first marriage work. An intact, happy marriage is the best gift you can give your kids. They will be healthier, happier, more su successful in life if they miss out on an activity or two in exchange for sanity between mom and dad. If you truly love your kids, love each other first. Put a lock on the bedroom door. 
save some resources for dating, like babysitter, maybe grandpa and grandpa, your aunt and uncle if they're close, and take time out of each day to reconnect as husband and wife. Be a second, or be united in front with the children, not one that is easily divided. If you put them second, they will truly thank you for this. And she says that ours have many times. Yes, children indeed are a blessing and a joy that adds immeasurable sweetness, but they are not the structure, nor are they the foundation for your life. The marriage is. The relationship as husband and wife goes on, it remains when the kids have grown. Marriage must come first if you want it to still be sweet when the icing is gone. So, Mike has his little tidbits at the end. And I like to remind you because a lot of people do forget about it. I want to read this particular one he writes at the end of this one. It's called The Plate Runneth Over. Please consider leaving a few things off the plate. Pick one or two sports and don't let the year-round domination of athletics take away valuable family time. Serve at your church if you are religious, but don't let the truly wonderful things a spiritual family brings cost you your first family. We have seen this happen and it is tragic. Enjoy school and learning, but don't let the drive to be on top cost you the precious years of being together as a family. The boundaries you set will help keep time usage in hand with something left over for just you two as a couple. As we began, so we finish. It is now just Anne and me, he says. If we had not ensured that our marriage came first, the odds of us being the loving, happy couple we still are today would have been greatly reduced and our kids would still be gone. So, the next chapter is still on children. The thoughts on raising solid children. Now, again, that this is clearly all just advice-based and you can take a lump sum, the whole thing, or none at all. Um, but I'm not going to lie. There has been a lot of things that have helped, and I've talked to my husband about, especially even as a volunteer. I'm like, so we need to talk about this because it's what I read in the book. We don't have to do it, but this is how I feel, and I think that we should try. Um... But just remember, the main point of this was, your marriage does come first, you guys. Yes, kids are such a joy and a blessing. And it may not feel like that on the bad days that you have with them. Like today, I feel irritable because I'm pregnant. But at the same time, my toddler has had certain points in the day where he has been trying to push me to my breaking point. But I know that his love for me will not die and my love for him will not die. But also, he needs to learn independence right now. Because mommy can't do a lot. But I always remind him, I love you very much. And so it's, you know, I have to make sure that there's a balance. But that's me. I hope you guys learned a lot today. Because, like I said, it can be really hard. But, um, you know, it's not 
I mean, you can try and you can learn it and try to pick up on things that are the easiest for you, as well as what you can teach to yourself and your children and what can also become routine and very helpful. Hope you guys have a great day, rest of your day. Um, do not know when I'll be back on here, but if I'm not on here, even after I give birth, wish me luck.